recording. It's a small hiccup. Maybe earlier with the audio. I'm not sure. I'm using a little microphone that's really floppy. So maybe you'll notice a difference in sound quality. I'm not sure. It's um a wintry day here in Melbourne where I'm recording. And there are little patches of blue every now and then, and it's even for a few minutes a little bit sunny. But it's cold. I'm wearing a jacket and a beanie inside, <laughs> as well as a thick jumper. I mean, like a thick winter coat and a thick jumper and a proper beanie. Thick all the socks. Yeah, last time I checked, it was about 13 degrees. There's rain, some showers, every now and then. It's pretty light. And it's pretty windy too. That helps to make it feel cold. But, I've settled in. Uh, like I've got a cup of tea. Nice and warm. And yeah, apart from my hands being a little bit cold, I'm pretty toasty now. Maybe even too toasty. But I'm... I'm going to read another short story from There Are Little Kingdoms, uh, which is a collection of short stories, by Kevin Barry. Um, yesterday we read the title story, but today we're going to read one called Winter Songs, The Winter Songs. Um, I guess I, I picked it because the title has winter in it, and today is pretty wintry. I guess we're also getting closer to true winter, um, it being May now, and winter starting next month. But it feels like we're getting a taste of it, a taste of winter, these last couple of days. Okay, so let's begin. The train pulled into a country station and they piled on board with country groans and country whimpers. There was hard wheezing and there were low whistles of dismay, as though they were half crucified from the effort of it all. They carried raw November on the breasts. They carried phones, food, magazines. They eyeballed seats and shuffled towards the seats. They asked, were the seats taken, for form's sake, but they didn't wait for an answer. It would take shotguns to keep them out of the seats. The girl tried to project belligerence or even menace, but the old woman sat opposite just the same. She was bony and long and turkey-necked, ancient with a fluency in the features, a face where age surfaces and then recedes again. She wasn't at all shy. Good morning, miss, she said, and I beg your pardon, because the sweat is dripping off me. It was touch and go whether I'd make it at all. We have taken, uh, we have tar taken off the road, coming up from the queer place. I'm after getting a lift off the younger one of the canavans, the small fella, you'll see on. Of course, you might as well get a lift off a stone, but I suppose the canavans are always odd. He's sitting there, bullying. You'd think he was after donating an organ to me. But anyway, I'm here, and I'm in the one piece, just about. What have we? Nine o'clock. Nine. And I've put half a day... Oh, and I've a half... And I've half a day put down the sentences in the Irish literary um, tradition. Let's read that again. 
nine, and I've half a day put down. Who knows what it what it could mean? What did you say? What did you say your name was? Lovely, and is that with a H? A slow rumbling and the sullen build of momentum, and the countryside was unpeeling image by image. An old house with a slate roof caved in, magpies bossing a field. On higher ground, a twist of grey trees in the grudging light. The girl made a broad mime of adjusting her iPad. <laughs> and she assumed a dead-eyed glaze. But the old woman smiled, shuffled to rearrange her bony buttocks for comfort, and twined her thin fingers and clasped them about her middle, and then rotated one thumb slowly around the other. Would you believe me, she said, that I was up for half six, sitting in the kitchen in front of a two-bar fire, with the jaws hanging open. You see, I didn't want to miss Canavan. And it's not as if I had sleep to distract me. Sure, there's no more such thing as sleep. Do you know the way? Of course you don't. What age did you say you were? Ha! So you were born, I'll do my maths. You were born in 1988? My God, the Seoul Olympics. What was his name? The big eyes? Ben Johnson. Only a mother could love it. Of course, I lost a kidney in 1988. But yes, four o'clock in the morning, and I'm staring at the ceiling. When it's springtime in Australia, it's Christmas over here. <laughs> Not sure that that's true. <laughs> Did you ever hear that one? No, well, it's before your time, I suppose. Here, above, watch, new road. This is the bypass they're after pulling down. Look! They're going to cut out Nana altogether. No harm. It was... If there was a heat-seeking device high up, mapping all movement by the glow of the blood, it would pick them out as two pulsing red ovals, tiny dots on a vast map. They moved eastward at nine rickety miles an hour, and the old woman leaned across as though to confide, and the ovals conjoined and pulsed almost as one. The girl took out a book and made a display of it. She peeled a clementine and looked to the passing skies. She tried to put up her fence, the old one was a talker. What if I told you, she said, that I can see how it'll work out? What if I said it's written all over your face? Pay no attention. I'm rambling. I'm only fooling with you. You'd think someone would come along and throw a shovel of earth over me. <laughs> so would you head up often yourself? I go regularly. Not that I've had a great deal of business, but I have the past. Shoes, occasionally. I pick up shoes for, for a woman in Birdhill. There's a shop above that specialises in extreme sizes. She's a 14. I know, but we have to try not to be cruel in life. That's the most important thing. And it's an excellent shop. They'll do you a practical boot or a runner or something dressy. Or as dressy as you're going to get if you're a 14. Don't. This is a poor woman. The first thing she thinks about every morning is feet. You step out of bed and there they are, always and forever, clomping along beneath you, like boats. You run for a bus. You step onto a dance floor. You try to pull on a pair of nylons. I'm a three myself. Look, a three. Dainty. Through and on, North Tipperary, dreary hedgerows and chimney pots, and the far-out satellite towns of Reuben, all of it stunned, looking, with the onslaught of winter, as if winter was a surprise to the place, and there were frequent apparitions 
heavy set men rolling tires and twirling wrenches, stepping down from lorries, giving out to phones, and it darkened as though on a dimmer switch the morning became smudged and inky. Losing the wheels, she said, was rough. When you've no wheels, the options are limited. You'd be inclined to pack it in altogether. Of course, if I had sense, I'd be driving still, but I rode my luck and it gave out. I turned it over outside Tullamore. They'd every right to take the course of action they took. The startling thing was there wasn't a mark on me and the car was idle. They threw the book at me and they had every just justification. It was eight in the evening, for God's sake. It was summer. It was still daylight. And I'm off the Tullamore Road after making shit out of a fiesta. I ask you, I defended myself. I said, Your Honour, please don't take this event in isolation. I went back 40 years. I told him how it all turned crooked on me. How can you... How you can't run away from things. You only store them up for later. I gave him chapter and verse. Not that I thought I was going to walk out with a license in my hand. I just wanted to explain. I just wanted to say. Of course, the eyes rolled up in his head. As a matter of fact, Your Honour, I said, I have no intention of ever driving again. And he looks down at me over the top of the glasses. And he says, Madame, I am here to facilitate your wishes. Lovely deep voice on him. A gentleman. The haggard verges of a town put in an appearance. Motive factors... Light industry, ribbon development, new build schemes, the health centre and Aldi. Here was sweet life and the common run. Also the shades of mild hysteria. Here was. Templemore, she said. I can never pass through without thinking of poor Edward, my cousin. It's the misfortune, you see. This is where they train guards. And he was mad to get in. It's not the case now. I understand there's a shortage. But Edward was, you could only say, obsessed. He nearly went out of his mind. He had to be 5'10 in your stockinged feet, and he was 5'9 and a half. Just that fraction shy, and it sent the poor creature to his wit's end. This is actually true, you had to be 5'10 to, um, to be a guard back in the day. They recently was like, um, <laughs> they recently relaxed uh, the rules. It was a thing for a shockingly long time. <laughs> All he wanted in life was to be a guard. I have nothing against guards myself, despite what happened to me in Thurles. Of course, that was my own fault as well. But Edward, a half-inch, and what happened? His father, my uncle, Joe, God rest him. A very t intelligent man, a little lazy. Joe got up out of his chair, and he got two sheets. With one of them he bound his son at the wrists, and with the other he bound him at the ankles. He tied one end to the bumper of the car, and he tied the other to the back axle of the tractor. I think it was a Belarusian they had, a powerful machine, and he climbed onto it. And he looked out back and he called, Edward! Edward! Heads swiveled in the carriage. Newspapers were raised just a little bit higher. They said it with their eyes. <laughs> we have... One across the way. Watch. Careful now. Edward, his son. Oh, Edward, he said. Son, there's no pressure on you. And Edward looked up at him and said, Duh, start the engine. <laughs> that same day, Edward strode back into Templemore. He took off his shoes and stood up against the wall. And he said, Measure me. 
And he wasn't five foot ten, he was five foot eleven. If you want to talk about dedication, if you want to talk about a man with hope, he would always say after it was an extraordinary length he gave to you. <laughs> length, I like that. That's as true as I'm sitting here, Sarah, even if the guards didn't work out great for him in the end. And by the way, would you mind taking that thing out of your ears while I'm talking to you? <laughs> the light was scratched, molecular, the sky about to give in on itself, about to break up. A mist descend descending already, and they went slowly through and on. At a creaking rumble, and then it built up on a straight stretch. And there was a descent to the Midland Plain, where confused-looking ducks sailed a slow, drowsy lake. The trolley went past, flattened vowels, lazy wheels, scolding drinks, teas, coffees, lads, ladies, teas, coffees. By a tiny grey village there stood an enormous pink funeral home. Death, she said. Would you think about death much, Sarah? Of course you wouldn't. I dare say you have other things on your mind. I've been meaning to ask, actu actually, have we a boyfriend on the scene? No, come off it. Who are you trying to kid? I'd say they're like flies around you. I'd say they can barely keep a hold of themselves. No? I suppose you could do with weight. Excuse me, what muffins have you? I see. I'll chance a blueberry. They outpaced the weather by and by, and the arcs of a week's sun swung across the waving fields, and the country eased into itself. And there was a woodland passing. The girl considered changing seats, but she didn't want to be rude. Some days you suffer. Trees, said the old woman. What is it they call it? Photosynthesis. Amazing what you'd remember for years. Is it chloroform or chlorophyll? Or is that toothpaste? Or is it tap water? Or is it what the dentist puts on rags? I'm dating myself. Trees! Calming, apparently. Or so they tell you. I wouldn't be too sure. Would you believe it if I told you I was walking through a wood one day? This isn't Claire I'm talking about. I saw a man buried to the neck, only a young fellow. This time of the year, it would have been mulchy underfoot. Whatever way he managed it, he scratched out a hole in the ground and dragged the earth in after him, buried to the neck. Some job of work. Now the young fellow wasn't well, obviously. It turned out after he was known around the place. It wasn't his first time at this kind of messing. Of course, it was just my luck to come across him. Who else would go out for a breath of air and walk into the likes of it? And would you, and what are you supposed to say to someone? You'd want nerves of steel to deal with that kind of situation. And do I look like I have nerves of steel? Trees, arbor, isn't it? Arboreal. There's a word for you. Lovely. Photosynthesize. Come on. We all go and photosynthesize. Trees can give you a sore throat. Something in the sap, I think. Put me near trees and I find the throat goes septicum. I come over I come over class of horse. I come over husky. On account of trees. Septic. Anyway, tell me, Sarah, what is it you're reading? Go away. And would you be much of a one for reading? Her face seemed to slip, her features came loose, disintegrated, and then rearranged. Her feet were slippery. She was skinny, tall, sharp-angled, and grey-skinned, with ash-coloured eyes and green mottled hands. And now it was a pretty blurry day, with the screensaver skies. 
They made it to the flats and paddocks of the corral, a watery expanse it seemed. A light will ruffle soon. Horses, she said, sweet Jesus, don't be talking to me about horses. The worst thing that can happen with horses happened to me. The first time I set foot on a race course, I went through the card, Limerick, Limerick meeting. There were seven races, I picked seven winners. The whole cruel world of work and bosses, and punching clocks at seven in the morning was revealed to me as a sham sale, a world of fools. Who needed it? All you had to do was have a go at the horses. She wiped muffin crumbs from her chin. She lifted her rueful, heavy eyes to the heavens. She smiled. Of course, I wasn't the first Egypt to come up with this idea. It took no more than six months and I was wiped out. I found myself in desperate waters. The bank pulled the shutters when it saw me coming. My name was doing the rounds of faxes, twice underlined. I was blacklisted by every credit union in South Tip, North Waterford, East Cork. But there's always someone you can turn to, and they showed up soon enough. Two brothers from Furs, serious operators, hair and eyebrows, big shoulders. These boys were beef to the heels. If I'd sense, I'd have run a mile, but they took. But do I look like as if I have sense? I missed a payment and they showed up for a polite word. I missed a second payment and I was backed into the corner of a lounge bar. Oh, a monster. Did you realise, Sarah, that monsters are all around us? We've come to the right woman. I missed a third payment and that was it. And I had to clear out of tip altogether. If I didn't get out, it was looking like the boot of a car job. I drove off late. Night time cold and there were dogs somewhere howling. I rang all the boys from the payphone. I couldn't resist. I said, Do you call yourselves men to threaten a poor single woman? Spitting feathers down the phone he was. I'd have to be careful to this day about setting foot in furs. That's no great loss to me. Of course, the nerves weren't right for a long while. I was edgy, Sarah. I was drinking against nerves. It wasn't long after I lost the, I lost most of the teeth. I missed a step on an embankment. Would you believe it if I told you these are nearly all screwings? They're some job, aren't they? Thank you. Of course I paid for them in tears. I was six months on soup and custard. And if the horses were bad, you should have seen me the year of the poker machines. I still get a shake in my right arm when I hear one. They were by the last stretch of countryside, above the surging drag of the motorway, and the exurb crept out west in a squat grey building, sat high on a windy rise, and she pointed and winked. Do you see this place, she said. Do you know what that used to be? Chained to the walls, Sarah. Which end is the sleeves? Are we coming or going? Here's one you might have heard, I guarantee it. Nut music. Nacht music. Have you ever heard that word? It's a good one, isn't it? Out of the Germans. And faith, they'd know all about it. Going loco down in Acapulco. The soft room. The slow shoot shuffle in the corridor. The hair stood up on your head from shock. If the walls could talk in the likes of that place. El Casa de Locos is what the Spanish would say. They've apart they've apartments made of it now. Best of luck to them all inside. She simmered with happiness. There was a great calm about her. There was no reserve about her. There was none of the wistfulness proper to old age. 
It was climbing on the train, she had into a coat and loosened the collar of her blouse. And there was a cheap chain and a cross on her neck. It flashed with trinket menace. For a while she was silent, and the silence was unbearable. Her gaze went to the carriage roof. All to be seen were the whites of her eyes. She hummed to herself, crossed over, then returned. What about yourself, she said. I wouldn't go so far as to call you the chatty type. What's your situation? Do you want me to take a run of it? She rubbed her hands lascivious. She made as though to sketch a new life. She took on a high-toned expression. She drew broad strokes with bony fingers. She cupped her chin in her palm. Let's see what we've got, she said. The eyes are outside your head. So you were up at a dirty hour yourself. You got dressed in the dark, didn't you? Yes, with a big brazen head. Very sure of yourself. The case was packed since last night. You did it on the sly. You hid it under the stairs. You went down the stairs and brought the case. And you opened the front door very quietly. You stepped out into the street. It's a terrace of houses, isn't it? Familiar as your own face, but unreal at that hour. Parked cars, frost, moon, not a cat on the road. You pulled the door out after you. You could hardly breathe. And the light was starting to come through then. She went down the steps by the grotto. She went into the bowl of the town. There was yeast in the air from the brewery. Some early workers were eating eggs in the cafe on the corner, lost in newspapers. Winter, the steam of tea. She went inside to get cigarettes from the machine and the men looked up and they looked at each other. There were affectations of great sadness. A pretty girl in a pencil skirt can bring out on easy enough. A dirty smile from the plump waitress. But nobody asked any questions. Nobody asked, where are you going so early, Sarah? And what's with the case, girl? She went down McCurtain Street, and she watched herself as she went. She painted in the drama of it. She bought a ticket at Kent Station, a single, she stressed the word. She sat on a high stool and sipped coffee, and a tick of anxiety surfaced. A bird life fluttered beneath the skin. The man from the kiosk was on his knees cutting a bale of newspapers with a penknife, and its blade was blue-green. You'd be mistaken for angelic, said the old woman. Peachy, creamy, no lovely look, petite. But there's an awful distance in there. She smiled, but it was sardonic, ironical. There's coldness, isn't there, Sarah? You were going to get out as soon as you could. Not a word to anyone about it. The hell of it. Let them suffer. The world around withdrew from them. The woman reached across the table and took the girl's slate cold hands in hers. The pulsing ovals weakened, faded, and disappeared. There was no sound except for a soft, lone breathing. There was no way to reverse from this or to pull back. Listen, she said, I have news for you. Brace yourself, child, because here it comes. There's no such thing as forgiveness. Everything has a consequence. Would you believe that? Years later, you'll still have to answer to the question, was the right thing done? The girl looked away abruptly in the still glimmer of the morning. She bit her bottom lip so prettily it would be hopeless to try and find a flaw in her. I wouldn't fret about it, said the old woman. Maybe it was the right thing. He didn't have the courage, did he? He wouldn't say how he felt. He wouldn't tell you how he felt, Sarah. You see, you have to stand up for it. 
you have to declare it. And then it was the Klondalkin yards, mostly disused. When the dust and soot of the city had fallen on them, the train stopped to take on maintenance workers. Another train was stalled alongside. It was headed in the opposite direction. Passengers from each stared wearily across to the other. Movement. And she felt as though her train had eased slowly forwards, but it was the other pulling away west. The older woman went out through the yards. She threw no shadow in the white sun. She went over the sidings and past the rusted, rusted trailers. She went in among the carriage building sheds and vanished, left no trace. She became light, air, dust. Now it's Houston, and here she comes, a thin girl in a pencil skirt, pulling the trolley case behind her, and the midday crush parts before her like a miraculous sea. She flips the key guard of her phone and scrolls the text. She moves on again, straight-backed and hard-eyed, with world-class invulnerability. She doesn't know that every step from now will change her. She is so open, so fluid. Every conversation will change her, every chance meeting, every walk down the street, every walk, every street. So that was the winter songs. And I hope hope you found it interesting and, and fun. There are the names of some towns. Nanar, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Talamore. Tip. I don't think I've ever been to any of these places. Um, I'm not even sure where she ends up. Houston. That H-E-U-S-T-I-N. I'll look it up later, but it might be somewhere in Dublin. I'm not sure. Seems like she's made a journey, the girl, from west to east. But yeah, it does seem like, um, in some Irish literature anyway, yeah, some authors seem to invoke a place um, in a way that maybe isn't as true in Australian writing. It's kind of like, when you say that you're from Tip or from Clare or um, from Cork, it has some kind of crazy meaning or special meaning, specific meaning. And it's hard to kind of tap into that, I guess, if you're not Irish. So yeah, I'm not sure what was being invoked with any of these places. Mm. But it's, uh, I don't know, something to think about, I guess. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed enjoyed that one, the winter songs. I liked it a lot. Um, hopefully, you'll tune in again tomorrow for another story. <laughs>